It is the 200 level Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Sunday afternoon. Apologies for wearing the Bears shirt. Just an abysmal organization that actually makes me feel a little bit better about Illinois football. Though I know that that is the skinniest kid at that camp argument. But listen, despite the loss yesterday against Penn State, I will try to balance this out with, I think, some positives, some real positives. And going forward, I think that there's a little bit more clarity as to what we need to see. I want to start with what I think is the headline here. And I've been thinking about this all day, this Sunday, lazy Sunday, watching football, getting some errands done, taking it easy after we had a late gig Friday night, a full day of tailgating in the game yesterday. I was zonked yesterday. So as I'm collecting my thoughts today, I do appreciate the fact that I can now understand a little bit better what I need in order to qualify this as a success. Or more to the point, because we're a little bit leery right now about where this is going, what I need to see to not be worried about long-term prospects. Now, if that seems reactive, three games into year three, I understand it, but keep in mind, Illinois has lost six of their last seven against Power 5 opponents. Two of them were very close calls against Michigan and Mississippi State. Two of them were rather underwhelming performances at home against Michigan State and Purdue. And then you have the Kansas game, which is a blowout, and the Penn State game, which is this weird nether region of you liked a lot of what you saw for the first two and a half quarters, and then eventually your weakness was so bad that it killed your strength, which was your defense. Your offense killed the defense yesterday. It was the furthest thing from complimentary football you could ask for. So let's keep that in mind. Illinois is 1-6 and six in their last seven Power 5 games. They are a miracle throw and catch away from being 0-3. That's a problem, and there's no sugarcoating it. However, the next three games, I think, tell us a lot about this team and more to the point, it tells us a lot about this coaching staff. Brett Bielema is in year three. I am a Brett Bielema fan, despite what happened yesterday, despite the one and two start. I do think he gives you the best chance to stabilize something here. Maybe this is going to be a bit more of a bump in the road than we thought, myself included. And if I was foolish to buy into the, well, they're going to be just as good narrative, then shame on me. But Part of the reason that I selected nine and three is a preseason expectation, which I have since amended. <laughs> I mean, how can you not, based on how they played? The schedule now lightens up considerably. FAU at home. Casey Thompson goes off against Clemson with an apparent knee injury. But even if Casey Thompson is the starting quarterback for FAU, this is the ultimate get right game. Then you have Purdue on the road that looked fairly bad last night against Syracuse. An inspired Syracuse team, no doubt. But nonetheless, a messy Purdue team under year one of Ryan Walters. And then Nebraska at home. A mess. Year one of Matt Rule. It's year three for Brett Bielema. You've got to go 3-0 and in the next three. And even with the bad quarters we've seen, I still think you should you should go 3-0 in the next three. Will they? That's, that's not up to me. I, 
I wish it were, and I could wave a magic wand and we tune in for that Maryland game on October 14th watching a 4-2 football team, which is possible. But short of that, I'm a little worried. Short of 4-2, and two, short of winning the next three games, which I think they should, I start thinking, well, why are we getting, let's say you lose one the next three. Why? Did he get outcoached? Outperformed? Outexecuted? This is a rare opportunity going into these next three games where talent-wise, personnel-wise, I'm not going to look at the other team on the other side and say they have an advantage in any one unit that really exceeds yours. Kansas, their offense clearly exceeded yours. Penn State, probably all units of theirs, much more talented than you. That's why yesterday did have some positives. The next three games, none of that to be found. So was that a fair expectation? You got to go 3-0. and And that we would actually be feeling good at 4-2. and Because it's not as if the schedule gets that much crazier after. Yes, there are much more of the toss-up sort of games that might lean towards the other team. At Maryland, Illinois will be an underdog, as they should be. Wisconsin at home, we'll see how they trend. They were trailing in the third quarter against Georgia Southern, gave up a lot of yards, but they scored a lot of points themselves and won that game. Minnesota, Indiana, good quarterback, still kind of a mess. Iowa, they're Iowa, and Northwestern. All of that tells me that you've still got a chance to win some games, but it has to start now. And if it doesn't start now, when? These three games, you will be favored for sure in two of them. And I would be surprised if Purdue, as a favorite, is getting more than, let's say, two and a half points. Win these three. If you don't, if you continue to have one unit or another looking just outright bad in these games, I start to worry not just about this year, but about the whole thing. I'm texting Trevor and Isaac this morning, and Trevor is not in existential crisis mode, but I can understand a lot of what he was saying. The the bummer about this start, the bummer is that we're questioning whether or not we can sustain success. It's okay to question that. History tells us it's very difficult here. The first three games were very underwhelming from an eye test perspective. And when you finally had an inspired performance yesterday, you still lost by 17. So what are we to believe? History tells us don't get sucked into it. This schedule tells us you can still win some games. This head coach in his past tell us He's probably your best chance at stabilizing this thing. But if we don't look good in the next three, if we drop one of the next three, I start wondering, where the hell is this going? I don't want to do that. I bought a lot of stock, mental stock, in Brett Bielema and this thing working, and the fact that he has a staff that is more competent than any before. But there are cracks. And if they can fix it, I mean, imagine this. They go 3-0 in the next three games against lesser competition. I will call them lesser competition than what you've played. Purdue is probably more akin to a Toledo than a Kansas, for example. They go 3-0 and we're feeling pretty good, aren't we? Even if they lose at Maryland, 4-3 and homecoming against Wisconsin, that's a big game again. It doesn't take much for Illini fans to be invested. Yesterday at the tailgate, 
uh, Anthony and Dustin, listeners of the podcast, came up very generously. They each gave me a bottle of bourbon, so thank you guys for that. We tried the uh, bourbon that um, Dustin had brought from Austin, Texas with him. I think it's called Still Austin. Anywho, very good stuff. As I told them, and as I told a few other people at the tailgate yesterday, I don't need much. I don't. If they finish seven and five this year, I'm happy. If they go six and six, whew, you made a bowl game onward and upward. It's not asking for much. And Illini fans don't ever feel as if we're asking for too much. Don't let anyone sucker you into the notion that we are being unreasonable to expect that, yes, even with your putrid history, you can still make consecutive bowl games. Could you believe it? You actually can do that. It's legal. In all 50 states, except apparently this one, in this institution, screw that. I'm done with that. Despite the first three games, despite the underwhelming nature of these three games, despite the fact that you've lost the casual fan momentum and FAU might have 30,000 people in the stadium, despite all that, you can still have a successful year. And I feel like I'm granting some grace here to the coaching staff, to this team, by saying, okay, Mulligan, (laughs) all this that we've seen and all the underwhelmingness that we've seen, Mulligan, try again. You've got the schedule to do it. So that is our mantra here in the 200 level. The next three weeks, go 3-0, period. Period. And yeah, Purdue's going to be tough. And yeah, Nebraska has some talent. But if this team is worth a crap, you win those three games. If this coaching staff is what I would like to think of them, they win these three games. Two and one, we're, we're still in limbo. One and two, we got problems. Oh and three, DEFCON one. But three and oh should happen. Get it done. Let's talk about why you aren't two and one, let alone three and oh. After the sponsors. DP Doe, I'm on a DP Doe. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. You can uh, get a custom calzone, any topping you want. Sadly, no celebratory calzones yesterday. Uh, by the way, Joel, nice to meet you in the uh, parking lot as well. And on the way out, he said, celebratory calzone. I was like, yes, sir, you got it. Maybe soon enough you can. I bet after Ford Atlantic, knock on wood, you can get a celebratory calzone. But they're great for business lunches too. So go online to dpdoe.com. That is dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Hey, also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. But brianismyguy.com. All you got to do is go to the website. You can reach out to them. Him and his staff are so quick at communication. It's actually kind of nuts how quickly they get back to you. We're talking a matter of minutes. And you know the State Farm prices are going to be there, but also the customer service, second to none. I can vouch for it. My wife and I can. Brian Hanson, State Farm agent. Brian Hanson online at brianismyguy.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Your home's best friend. They're our home's best friend as well. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing is coming for a furnace check in a bit. And I will say that last winter was the warmest and coziest this house has been, and this summer was the coolest it's been. I got to think they have something to do with it. Our HVAC system is not brand new or anything like that. They make it run tip-top, so go and check out Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, got to thank Owen Builders, LLC. Luke Owen and his staff, 
absolutely tremendous. The craftsmanship is there, and you can see that online at owenbuildersllc.com. They got a great gallery of the work that they do. And what I also like about their company is if you've ever worked with contractors before, I'm not calling out any names. I've mostly had good experiences, but occasionally you get a contractor that they just stink with communication. They're really bad at it. It gets infuriating. You don't need to worry about that with Luke and his staff. So go online to owenbuildersllc.com. Get a free quote today and check out all the great work they do. That's owenbuildersllc.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them and appreciate you. Ratings and reviews are always uh, welcome. And by the way, we are extending the deadline for our hoodie, 200 level hoodie. You can go at the 200 level on Twitter, at Fanboy Carp on Twitter, and pre order it. No money down. We're going to put the order in on Wednesday. So we're going to give it three more days here. All right. Let's talk about what the heck happened yesterday. It was a game that for a moment, I thought Illinois might actually win. Foolish me. But but think about this. And for those in the stadium, you probably felt that. There was something bubbling up. When Illinois got a 13-7 to after Reggie Love's run, which was just an excellent play, and that, that kind of stuff gets me really excited, it was palpable. Yeah, you gave up the long pass. 16-7 to was a bit of a disappointment, though I was still thinking, okay, we're here. Our line play looks much improved. Defensive line is doing a great job. Keep at it. Get a stop to start the second half. And that's exactly what they did. A three and out, I believe, to start the second half. And I'm thinking, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Luke Altmaier gets leveled and finds Isaiah Williams for about a 25, 30-yard pass. At this point, I'm thinking, we're going to win this damn game. We are. It's coming together. It's a be- By the way, absolutely perfect day at the stadium and the tailgate lots. A little bit of sun, but mostly the cloud cover to keep it just a little cool, early fall kind of day, which was ugh, the best. And then the very next play is an interception. Number three, I believe, for Luke. The fourth one was just silly. They were all in their own way silly. The McCray fumble, silly. You know, the story, quite frankly, is five turnovers is why you lost that game. That's not great analysis, I understand, but what else can you really take away from it? Face value sometimes tells you a lot. And you look at the box score, why did Illinois lose? Oh, five turnovers to none. You go minus five in the giveaway, takeaway thing, it ain't working. It's not gonna work. Against a top 10 team, good luck to you. But I think the offense is going to be the story going forward. I want to start by praising Aaron Henry and this defense for simplifying. Apparently, listening to Jeremy and Joey, they took the 5-1-5 approach again. All I know from this layman's perspective watching football, it felt like last year's defense. They're flying around. They're attacking the ball. The run defense was phenomenal. The pass defense I thought was really good as well. I mean, Xavier Scott looks like the real deal. Taz started to clean things up a little bit back there. Strain, I believe, was on coverage for that deep ball at the end of the first half. But other than that, I felt good about the secondary, Clayton Bush included. Matthew Bailey was good when he was out there, and hopefully it's just a shoulder stinger. They were being cautious. But the good news is that his foot looks to be fine, and that's a much more nagging injury. So that was a positive. D-line was great. Linebackers didn't hurt you. Made some plays, actually. I only saw Tariq get burnt once on a crossing pattern, and that's going to be tough no matter what. But I got to think the big winner here was Aaron Henry and Brett Bielema. The schematic thing that they did, whatever it is, worked. Not to say it'll work that well every week, but if only the offense could be more complimentary, that defense stays off the field a little bit more, you're starting to get closer to last year's MO. Now, last year's team didn't start one and two. 
But last year's team also had a tougher schedule in the middle part of that season when they rattled off wins at Wisconsin, home against Iowa, home against Minnesota. You have an opportunity now, given the way the defense played against Penn State. And something I think they can't sustain. I think Florida Atlantic, while I would have liked to maybe flip those games, I think it's a good opportunity to continue what they did defensively. So by the time you go into Purdue, they feel really together. They feel like they know what they're doing. So that, to me, is very exciting. But the problem is, it doesn't matter if the offense sucks. And they did. Now, the box score will tell you, 350 yards to Penn State's 380. And... The turnovers will tell you this is not a Barry Lunny problem. And this is the confounding thing to me. I can't pinpoint an obvious reason why this offense is ailing based on play calling. The obvious reasons are turnovers, poor line play in the first two games, Josh McCray being non-existent, and your wide receivers not getting separation. So that isn't always on the coordinator. I mean, he's not the wide receivers coach. He's not the O-line coach. Schematically, he's the guru. He's the guy that needs to maximize what he has, but he has not been getting good performances either. But it kind of occurred to me yesterday, this weird identity crisis with Barry Lunny, that he doesn't quite know what he wants to do or what he wants to be. Whereas the defense yesterday seemed to hit the reset button and go back to what they are good at, which is being aggressive, going after things. Offensively, it's somewhere in between aggressive and conservative, and it's not particularly good at either. So what are you left with? I'll tell you what you aren't left with is a lot of confidence in this offense. And this sad, sick feeling in your stomach like, wait, they're going to they're gonna lose us some games this year, even if we get the defense figured out. And I think there's, it's okay to be a little confident based on the fact that other than the previous two games, you can now go back to the middle part of Brett Bielema's first year to now and say the defense has been rather consistent. And Aaron Henry, for as bad as the first two games were, looked good as a play caller in the bowl game and looked good yesterday. So that was extremely encouraging. But it doesn't matter if the offense plays like that. It doesn't matter if your quarterback is reckless like that. I mean, what a dis- what an abysmal game, and we can call it what it is. I know it's early in Luke Altmaier's career in terms of games played, but he is his third year in college, a redshirt sophomore. He's not a true freshman. These were boneheaded decisions. I, I, I want to grant him the grace and for now I will, because the schedule gets easier, that that was an aberration. I, I recall in Kurt Kittner's senior year, he had three picks in the first half at Purdue. Illinois goes on to win that game, I think 38-13 to 13 or something. They had a great second half. But early on, it was a little scary. And you're thinking, Kurt, what are you doing? And maybe Altmaier has that Brett Favre streak where he's, we saw in two plays yesterday, gets hammered and he still hits Isaiah Williams. And then the very next play, boneheaded move. I like the gunslinger approach. I like that he's not afraid. I like the confidence, but that killed you. But it all stems back to Lonnie. Trevor made a really good point in the group thread yesterday that the drive at the end of the first half, before you gave the ball back to Penn State, Lonnie didn't know what he was going. I didn't know what he was going for, at least. Maybe he did, or he knew what he was attempting to do, but I sure didn't. And you end up punting the ball away with a minute to go, and it's like, are you going to run the clock out and just call it a win that you're only down six? I would have been 
slightly bummed, but instead you kind of go halvesies, you punt it anyways, and then you give up a late score. And granted, it was a field goal, but that put you down two possessions. And you knew that this was a game where you could ill afford major mistakes. I, I think it's just 16 games in, I don't know what the Barry Lunny experience is. And I really appreciated the answers he gave in the interview. I thought he's he seems like an honest guy that is reflective on his job and his own performance. I know he's probably not happy with the way things are going. And he's also probably frustrated that we're kind of seeing an incomplete grade in some respect form this year because of either crap line play the first two games of the year or Altmaier just being terrible yesterday. But whatever it is, it's always something. Doesn't it seem that way? It's always something with this offense that keeps it from going. The best game that Lunny called his entire career here was at Wisconsin. And Minnesota at home. I felt in October last year like you're getting somewhere. But man, it's just been erratic. And I would hate to think that in three years you've had two failed coordinators, but if this doesn't get better, if the offense stinks all year, and I know they had late scores against Kansas and they had late scores against Toledo and they they fortunately won that first game, but they have been god-awful in the first half. They are putting you behind the eight ball just as much as the defense. Yeah, the defense gave up 21 points consecutively to Kansas, but our offense on a scripted opening drive against that Kansas defense couldn't do a damn thing. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. It's disjointed. No one's playing their maximum potential on offense. You don't feel like you're getting the most of it, and that goes on the coordinator. It just does. So fix it. Now, the offensive line looked better. Serviceable. And you can win with serviceable. You can win because I think Reggie Love is a good back. I think he's shown that in these three games and dating back the last two last year. You need to give him more carries. You need to give McCray less. McCray, I'm sorry. These games mean too much. This idea that we're going to continue to give someone that had physical and apparently the mental component of it last year coming back from injury, you, you can't mess around with that. Get Fagan out there, who showed some life. Get the kids out there. And it seems like Bielema indicated yesterday in his press conference he will consider that. And thank goodness he will. I think you have to. But Lenny's getting paid good money. He got an extension last year. I thought maybe a little bit premature. And as much as I was somewhat of a Lenny supporter, even when things were going great last year, I kept on excusing it based on, well, the personnel's not there. The personnel's not there. I will grant that our offensive personnel is probably not top half of the Big Ten. It's probably around 10, maybe 11. But you know what a good offensive coordinator can do? They can make it work. So make it work, please. Because if they do the way the defense played yesterday, I still think you can find your way to seven wins. Remember what I said last week. There's five out there for you. Five. FAU, Nebraska, Indiana, Northwestern. All home games. That gets you to five wins. And that leaves Purdue and Wisconsin and Minnesota, in my mind, as your toss-ups. That will tell the tale between, is this potentially a seven, maybe even eight-win season if you cut all three of those? Hey, it could happen. You've watched these teams. You've watched Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota not look like world beaters at all. We're granting that we're probably going to lose to Maryland and Iowa. We're granting that, that there's probably already four losses out there. 
But I refuse to grant that you can't win these other games and still find your way to a, a healthy 7-5 and five record despite all of this. But it comes down to Barry Lunny. It comes down to the offense. It has to be better. And if it's not, he's got to go. You cannot waste time in college football. You cannot trot out just a lifeless, lethargic offense, especially when the Big Ten's going to expand and you don't get the benefit of playing crap teams six, seven times a year because you're in the Big Ten West. That goes away. So what are you going to be? And the same hard questions that were answered by the defense this week need to be answered next week. FAU gives you a great opportunity to clean things up. Yes, you could play tougher. Let me say this now. You could play worse teams than FAU, right? You could. They are probably somewhere in the 70s, low 80s in terms of D1 football. They have some talent. But this is a game. And I know we got a a week to talk about it, probably with Harry Black on Tuesday night. This is a game you got to come out and kick some ass. If the offense sputters against FAU, we got problems. So don't, right? Uh, Easy enough. (laughs) No, I know it's not that easy, but it, it shouldn't be this hard either. And that's what's really frustrating about this offense. It's not easy, but it also shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this labored. Of course, Penn State has a good defense. Of course they do. But your offense was no better than freaking, well, maybe yardage-wise. I was about to say Delaware. I'd have to look at that box score from a week ago. Or West Virginia in week one. But despite the yardage, and yes, factoring in the five takeaways, it's not as if that offense had, all right, we got rhythm, we're going, we're moving before those turnovers. I know the turnovers probably disrupted any little momentum or rhythm that you had, but it's not like you had a lot to begin with anyway. It's got to be better. All right, I'm belaboring the point. Lonnie is the story. We knew that going in this year. That's why I was happy to talk to him, and I still buy stock. I see these flashes that I'm like, Lonnie, I think you can do this consistently. I think it can click. But it isn't right now. And maybe it's foolish of me to say that I think it can click when there's not a lot of evidence that it has or that there's potential for it to click consistently. So let's keep it simple, right? Before I get to the listener feedback here, let's keep it simple. You got to win the next three. If the offense is merely fine in those three games, I think they win those three games. Merely fine. What does fine look like? Possess the ball for more than half the game. Haven't done that once. Time of possession has been abysmal this year. I don't have the stat in front of me, but we know it. We watch it. We feel it. Control the ball. Get the run game going with Reggie Love. With Reggie Love. Not this on-again, off-again series crap. Just when you had an opportunity that second series, only down 3 nothing. McCray coughs it up. No. Done. Move on. We got games to win. So... It's Lonnie, but you know what? I say all this. It's it's Bielema. It's Bielema. I'm a big Bielema fan. But if we're looking at the second coordinator in a row that can't get an offense worth the crap, then that becomes a problem at the top. An inability to identify a coordinator that's going to help you win games offensively. I know Wisconsin wasn't necessarily known for their offense, but they had such a good line and such good running backs that they still have the ability against lesser teams to put up 40, 50 points. 
this team has none of that. And I would recognize that personnel is not giving you the same opportunities as Wisconsin in 2008, 2009, 2010. Fair. But I don't understand how it can't have a little more pop than this. And I think that the hand has been forced. I, if there's anything through these first three games, if we're trying to find a silver lining, this was like the school of hard knocks. This was an opening three-game gauntlet where fortunately, thank God you got the first win. Thank you, Casey Washington. Thank you, Luke. Thank God you got that and escaped worst-case scenario. And hopefully, if Brett Bielema is the kind of head coach, CEO type that we would like him to be, this was such a formative learning experience that now we go. Now we go. I wouldn't be surprised over there this week if they kind of exhale. Defensively, they feel like, you know what, we're back. We know what we got to do. They simplified. I think that the head games are over for that defense. And now it's just going to come down to consistently executing. Yeah, they're not going to be the number one scoring defense, but they can be mostly what we saw Saturday afternoon, especially when they're playing offenses that aren't nearly as good as Penn State. They don't have the running backs or the quarterback that Penn State does. That doesn't have the offensive line. There's a chance you can just run right over Hudson Card. You should be able to get to him at will in a couple weeks based on what you did yesterday against that Penn State offensive line. They should be encouraged. They should feel good. And I think, ah, breath of fresh air. So I hope that that travels through the Smith Performance Center and the entire place is like, okay, yes, we're one and two. That sucks. But now we feast. I've used the analogy before. You're in the on-deck circle in Little League and you got the donut on your bat. And then you take the donut off and it's just that much easier to swing the bat. The donut is now off the baseball bat. Step up to the plate, win the next three. All right, let me take a quick bit of water here. Between allergy season, foolishly smoking a cigar at the end of the tailgate yesterday, and our gig Friday, my voice is... It's felt better, but we're getting there. I like to get listener feedback on the games and, and read it here on the podcast and kind of respond to it. So this morning, I posted this listener question. After yesterday's loss against Penn State, have your expectations for this Illini season changed? If so, for the better or for the worse? Got a lot of responses, so let's give to them. This is from Jeff. Not really. So expectations have not changed for Jeff. Beginning of the season, I said 7-5, and five, essentially accounting for them winning a game that maybe wasn't expected. After last week, I changed that to 6-6. Six and six. Defense stepped up big yesterday. I'm choosing to say Altmeyer just had a really bad game. I'm taking more positives from the defense looking markedly better and that no Big Ten West team looks like it will run away from the pack. I'd love to have higher expectations, but the first step is to become a consistent bowl team. After that, we can get more greedy. Fair. And for those in the YouTube feed, I'll try to get to these comments here in a bit. So thank you for posting those. This is from Paul. No, expectations haven't changed. I saw Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Purdue all struggle yesterday as well as Illinois. Six, or, six and six or seven and five remains quite possible. Also, I have a question to ask. Could Jesus microwave a burrito so hot that even he himself cannot eat it? Seems like a riddle. Paul, I'm going to think on that one. But you are still high on the 6-6 six and six or 7-5. and five. He mentions Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Purdue. Minnesota looks lethargic in a loss to North Carolina. I think they lost 31-13. to 13. 
no more impressive than Illinois, Kansas. I'd say you could probably compare Kansas and North Carolina's tough road matchups that this these weak Big Ten West teams are going to struggle against. Wisconsin was losing 14-7 to in the third quarter to Georgia Southern. They had been outgained 3-1 to at that point. The offense took off, and they won that game by a couple scores. But I do not view Wisconsin as a legit Big Ten West threat. I think that that game is the game of the year. It, it is for many reasons. Homecoming, middle of October, right in the heart of the season, by week after that. To me, it just screams game of the year. I would like to think as game of the year, it could be the difference between a 7-8 and eight win season and not necessarily you got to win that to get six. But regardless, that game's going to be extremely meaningful. And then you mentioned Northwestern. Yeah, they suck. And Purdue. Purdue has stuff, right? They have stuff, and you fear that if they put it together the night against you, that's going to be tough. But let's not pretend that Virginia Tech is any good. They got the win at Virginia Tech, a late score. Virginia Tech goes into Rutgers yesterday and loses by 30. Virginia Tech might suck. So winning on the road is impressive, albeit that was a weird Saturday out in whatever Hokieville is. What do they call it? Blacksburg, Virginia. It was a weird Saturday that had a six-hour delay in it. They come back out probably to a few thousand fans left in the stadium, and they beat Virginia Tech. Okay, impressive first win of his head coaching career for Ryan Walters, but I think the Fresno State game and the Syracuse game, both losses at home, tell us that they're still kind of a mess. Defensively, not good. And that might be, despite Ryan Walters' best efforts, that's going to take some time. Offensively, they have some power. But I'd like to think that your defense is better than Syracuse's, and Syracuse's was able to really hold them at bay to 20 points, or 21, whichever. And they made Hudson Card look like a mistake-prone guy that hadn't played a lot of football. So, Paul, that's exactly right. Those four teams you mentioned, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Purdue, all struggle yesterday. Indiana, they have a potent-looking quarterback but it's still a mess. And if they continue to lose games, lose games, lose games, listen, I'm sorry, if Brett Bielema is the kind of coach that you think he is, he's got to win that game. I would imagine he does. I think you're still going to need it at that point in the season. So, yeah. Chase says vastly, I just won six and six at this point. So I think Chase is saying his expectations did change vastly and not for the better, and he's just hoping for six and six. Now from Casey, for the better, Despite the interceptions, some of them really bad choices. I think Luke is still that dude. Uh, Casey, as shocking as some of those were yesterday, there is an it factor to Luke that I, I'm still looking forward to watching him next week. I look forward to watching him, and it took the fourth one for me to finally say, all right, I guess you probably better try Paddock. I, I wasn't ready to pull the trigger. I know that Isaac and Trevor in the chat thread were like, come on, you got a game you could win, and I'm still like, well, let's... Let's trot him out there one more time, see what happens. After the fourth one, of course. But I agree, Casey. I, I still see something in Luke that I haven't seen in a lot of quarterbacks in a while. I hope that yesterday was not a harbinger of things to come, that he's just this mistake-prone gunslinger that cost you as many games as he wins. But, ugh, foolish me, I will still grant it is early in his playing career. And it all comes back to how he bounces back. I think that... Coming out and having a strong game against Florida Atlantic goes a long way to put that in the rearview mirror and feel good going into Purdue. 
Casey continues, defense was very good yesterday. Those in the schedule schedule weakening greatly had me thinking positively at this point. And like you, Casey, that is where I think we're aligned here is that, well, on the Luke thing too, the schedule. I, I keep going back to that. And when I even hear someone like Jeremy Warner who could sound the alarm bells in a much more objective and even keel way than I could, he feels better. Let's see him and Joey. He feels better about this team. Jay Lehman, when I listen to that podcast every Monday, he's going to, I'm sure, talk much more highly of this Illini team after yesterday, certainly than Kansas. It was a step in the right direction for most aspects of the team. The exception, five interceptions. <laughs> and uh, offense that just leaves you wanting in general, but... Yeah, that's why it's, today's less about analyzing the Penn State game and more about, okay, fine, that's over, we're done, first three games are over with, you're one and two, a lot of people called that, win some games, now, start, and and we're still with you, at least the, the hardcore fans that are really into Bielema, we are with you as long as you start winning games right now, against a weak-ass schedule, and it is, let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> These next three are weak opponents. Win. Okay, we continue. That's I'm so I know it sounds redundant almost, but I want to simplify what we're looking for. I again not overanalyzing yesterday, looking forward to the next nine games, but specifically the next three. From SCC. SCC, SC Central 21. We could easily be 0-3 right now, but we could also be 2-1 or 3-0 if they cleaned up penalties and turnovers. Uh, I don't know about easily. And you, oh, you said easily zero and three. You're correct about that, SEC. You did not say they could easily be two and one or three and zero. Oh, but you could make an argument the two and one would have possibly been there had you just played a clean game offensively yesterday. No doubt, it's hard to project how differently that second half unfolds if you ever get the lead, which you would have had a chance to do without those turnovers. The defense was giving you an opportunity to take a lead at home against Penn State. Sometimes I feel like that's the mental hurdle. Just get the lead and then the other team puckers up that much more and you're feeling yourself. And I mean, really, after that Reggie Love touchdown, I thought for, for a few minutes we're going to win this damn thing. There were probably four or five moments in that game where I actually thought we're going to win. And no, it wasn't the early morning white Russian talking. It was genuine vibes in that stadium of okay all right this is despite those two early turnovers and then the third one okay you know and then the fourth one well the early ones the defense was giving you a chance so SEC you're right they, they could have found their way to two and one would have loved to have seen that game replayed where you don't make those mistakes I think defense as they say travels you play that game 10 times the defense plays I think fairly well in most of those. I think that was a good matchup for them, and they would have kept you in most of those. Just wasn't in the cards. Wally says, watch live yesterday, then today on tape. Defense was extremely impressive. Eventually, they wore down, hopeful that Altmaier was just a fluky day. They have the pieces and a super weak Big Ten West remaining schedule to get to six wins. Wally, I, I would have been more troubled about getting to six wins if any of those Big Ten West teams look good yesterday. Iowa eventually put Western Michigan away and they won handily. Iowa's going to win this division. They are. They are the slow and steady. They're the tortoise and the hare. Slow and steady wins the race. They don't mess up. 
at least they don't mess up as much as the other teams. And in this Big Ten West, that's going to be good enough. And then they'll get their doors blown off of them by whoever the Big Ten East team is. Again, we aren't asking for high expectations here. We are acknowledging the fact that there is an opportunity. So it's high time you take advantage of this really weak schedule. Because if we're looking macro here, and Wally, I'm diverting a little bit from your comment. If we're looking macro here at how you build success and how you build the program, recruiting, right, is so contingent on following up on on on-field success. You can only sell hope for a little bit. Then you got to sell success. You have done that a little bit with the 8-1 season. I feel like this coaching staff has an idea of the kinds of classes they want to build. And they can win here without having the most uber-talented classes. I, I do think that's possible, even in the new Big Ten. But you can ill afford to shoot yourselves in the foot after an 8-1 season and then go out there and try to recruit this, with the same level of excitement and momentum that you had last offseason. You, you just simply don't. But if you make a bowl game or get seven wins, then you can say, hey, look it, we're stacking them. And you would have people bought in, these recruits bought in, in a way that you just won't if you go five and seven. It's just, that's it. And even if that's the difference between three or four solid recruits, that are considering you, but might say, eh, never mind. If you go five and seven, it it matters. On-field success means so much for building that recruiting momentum as well. So yeah, Wally, yes, the remaining schedule, get to six wins. If they don't, despite as bad as they've looked, I'm not, there's not going to be any point in the season where I ever say, just get me to five wins. No, you have enough. I know it's been a mess, but you have enough. If we were watching these games and thinking, especially after yesterday, the way that both lines played, if we're watching these games going forward and it looks as if we're just getting out-executed and out-schemed, that's a problem. But it's, I'm going to have a hard time believing that you were going to be straight-up outmanned in most of these games. Maryland scares me because of their offensive firepower. That might be a game where you were just outmanned. And Iowa might be a game where you were outmanned. But there's not a single other one from those two that I say, eh, I hate this matchup. Because I don't hate any of the matchups, and neither should this team. So, yes, Wally, six. Do you notice, I mean, I have some urgency here. And I hope this team does too. It starts these three games. They need to win these three games. And they damn well should. From K. Andrew, two tweets here, Carp. One, same expectations. Brett stepped in and adjusted for Henry post-KU. You say adjusted for Henry, I wonder. I mean, I want to give Henry credit where it's due because I assume that he still called plays yesterday. But whoever you give credit to, your D coordinator and his unit had a much better performance. And yeah, the head coach gets credit for that too. Proving he did the same for Walters post-UVA in 2021. K. Andrew continues, Lenny has built an ironclad case that he's a bad OC. Barry Lenny is the Rod Smith of Tony Peterson's. I think K. Andrew elaborates on this. There is a schematic path to six wins by adjustments towards the strengths of this offense. They're taking the defensive path, now must adjust past the constricted money brain. Six and six still attainable, therefore must happen. Yeah, somewhere Kay Andrew had this thing about Rod Smith and Tony Peterson, and I will try to find that within this Twitter thread here, but yes. Okay, Nathaniel, slightly better. Defense looked more like the 2021 and 2022 editions. Totally agree, Nathaniel. And we've seen Luke play well. So here's hoping yesterday was an aberration. Big Ten West also looks extremely terrible, so there's still plenty of room for wins. It's not really hyperbolic, Nathaniel, to say the Big Ten West 
for a power five, let alone power two division is bad. It's bad. Win some games. Here's the thing. I'm still happy. If you beat bad teams, I'm still happy. I just, I I think it's so essential for the long-term health of this program to stack bowl appearances. And this is a great opportunity to do that. So thank you for that, Nathaniel. From Dave, they're one and two. I expect them one and two. But the turnovers and special teams might be what makes the difference in the season like it always does. We've normally been on the better side of it, but this team's going to struggle if they're missing field goals and turning the ball over on offense. Dave, the opening miss by Caleb Griffin was mildly troubling. It was about a 44-yarder, I think, but it wasn't close. You know, so that that was a little bit, ugh. Punting was fine. Some bad decisions, I thought, yesterday on kick returns when you should just fair caught it, take it to 25. You started at the 15 a couple times, I think. So, yeah, special teams was weak, though. They did get the block on the field goal, which really, that, that was like, whoa, hey, we got something here. Johnny Newton was, it's been said, he was fantastic. He really was. There was also the hand on the punt. So special teams, I would say, is a wash. But they were a very mild reason that you lost yesterday. But I think, Dave, you're right when you mentioned turnovers and special teams. I mean, these games, if they're toss-ups, and a few of these will be, are going to swing on one play. And last year's team in that October stretch, they got the benefit of the doubt in a lot of those. From Blockhead. Based on the precedent set in year one, if the offense doesn't show vast improvement, an OC change needs to happen. New expectation, get to six wins. Big 10 West sucks. This is the mantra here. I agree with you. And either offense shows huge improvement or Lenny goes after this season. Fair. It's year two. Year two of a system. We we expected a more, I say expected, but I think it is fair to expect that in year two in offense, with as many guys returning, even with a new quarterback and even losing Chase Brown, that the offense would have more of an identity by now. But it does, it has no identity. It doesn't. So the, the excuses are done. Even the Luke Altmaier threw four picks. I, of course that matters. But there's not been a single point this year so far for more than a, a series or two or maybe a quarter, if we're being generous, where the offenses actually look like they have a thing. I don't know what the thing is. No one knows what the thing is. Figure it out. It's your offense. Pick a lane and go with it. Ugh. From Nate. Same. Still predicting 7-5. and five. Hey, I'll take it, Nate. Penn State game restored confidence in the fire department. Now I just need to sort out offense. Get QB confidence back and work out talented Frosh into the game. That, I think, Nate, will be a storyline going forward. Malik Elzey with a nice catch. Wilcher looked good late in the game, too. Get the speed out there. I still think that Pat Bryant and Casey Washington are very important for this team, but snap counts need to start going. They need to be divvied up a little bit more. Caden Fagan has to be your second back now, freshman or not. We saw freshman Josh McCray have a major impact. Fresh blood in there doesn't hurt. Fagan's got the body for it. And hey, McCray's fumbling, so don't give me this, well, I trust McCray with the the ball more. No, That that was just a silly fumble. From what I recall, it didn't even get hit hard. On, on their side of the field, no less, or on your side of the field. The inexcusable for a third-year guy. You can't wait on him to all of a sudden get the switch to click back on. I don't I, One, I don't think it is. He, he doesn't look right. He doesn't look confident. At least Caden Fagan, give him the ball. He's going to run like a, like a beast. And at least give you a chance for the, the thunder and lightning combo you probably want. Because, man, Reggie Love looks good. Compliment him with someone that can actually compliment him. 
from Tyler. It was nice to see how the defense came out and played. Realistically, we could expect to be as good as last year with the talent we lost. I want to hit that real quick, Tyler. Even in making my 9-3 and prediction, it wasn't this, I think we're going to be a lot better. It was, I think we can, through different means, reach the same level of competence and execution as last year against an easier schedule and go 9-3. and It was predicated on the lines returned so much that you felt good about both of them. I feel better about both of them after yesterday. Even the offensive line, which wasn't great, but they were going up against the best defensive line that they'll play the rest of the year. Maybe Iowa, you could argue, but yeah, that was encouraging. And that was the first week with this new look offensive line that maybe should have been your offensive line from the start. That could be a miscalculation. But I I do think, though, that even if they aren't as good as last year's team, the schedule is such where you can stack wins. Tyler continues, fortunately, the Big Ten West is really bad, and I still see us going 7-5. to five. Offense needs a lot more design runs for Altmeyer. That was non-existent yesterday. You're right. Jared says, honestly, about the same. We haven't seen the team be able to put together complimentary football yet. Glad the defense stepped up, but we need to see how Altmeyer bounces back from this stinker. I need to see one clean game or even a half before I feel good about this team. Jared, that is totally fair. Uh, on all counts, and I think FAU hopefully gives Altmaier a great opportunity to bounce back. Aaron says, Penn State game really didn't change my thoughts about how this team will finish. The first two games absolutely did. I feel better about the defenses, remind that Altmaier lacks experience of what that looks like. However, it didn't move the needle for me. I think Aaron might continue here. Uh, Let's see. Second part of this says, adding on to that, the biggest indicator of whether this team can rally to be a bull team will be determined at Purdue a week from Saturday. I agree with that, Aaron. After that game, we will know whether it's time to jump to hoop season. I don't, Aaron, I got to be honest, I don't want to jump to, jump to hoop season. I, I get back to the tailgate, and I think basketball came up. And sometimes I, I had a good day yesterday in terms of not getting angry. I had a really genuinely good time at the game watching most of it. We left about, oh, when it became 37, we left. We, my dad was like, let's give John Paddock. Let's give him one. Okay, all right, sure. And leaving the stadium, and by the way, it was just a great day. I mean, the beautiful day, perfect day for football. Tailgate was great. A lot of buzz in Lot 31. And yeah, I, I, I started thinking about basketball. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to do that. We don't have a point guard. We won't shoot threes well. And then, it, oh, I started getting all frustrated. Like, yeah, you know, we're going to. Get the eight seed in the NCAA tournament, finish top five in the Big Ten, which is going to be my prediction for basketball. Like, they're going to be fine. They're going to make the tournament. And then I actually took it one step further. What am I okay with? My wife asked me a really interesting question after the Kansas game. What kind of fan are you when they lose? Like, how do you want to be when your team loses or when they don't reach the expectations that you have for them? And I said, that's a really good question. One, I'd like to not act like a baby, which I still occasionally have the propensity to do that. But then the other question is, what are you okay with? Just in general, what level of success are you going to say, okay, it's not great, but it keeps me invested. Now, I have enough issues, more of the external noise with the basketball program before I even get to the on-court, what they're lacking. But they are a tournament team this year. They're going to make the tournament. They're going to win probably some games against better teams, and they're probably going to be less frustrating overall than last year's team because there's not knuckleheads like Matthew Meyer that will make you want to pull your hair out. But 
I think a lot of the issues that plague that basketball team are still going to be there. And there's going to be a weird sense of deja vu in probably a few too many games to make us truly enjoy it the way that maybe we would like to, or more to the point, maybe we thought we'd be enjoying it after getting the one seed with Iodasumu, winning the Big Ten championship the year after that. So right now, it's like we're in that, mm, not latter years of Henson, because those got really, really, well, I don't know, maybe. Latter years, Henson still made the NCAA tournament regularly, but you knew you weren't a threat. That's kind of where I'm approaching with this basketball program. So long story short, I don't want to start talking hoop season. We're going to have four or five months for that. I'm going to try to get my way into enjoying it. I'm going to try, I promise. I'm going to try to be even keeled and nice about it. But ask yourself, how genuinely excited are you for basketball? I think it's a very interesting year. I think it's a very consequential year for Brad Underwood. But are we chomping at the bit to see this basketball team? I don't know about that. Not the way last season ended. Give him a few good games early, and I know last year's team had a few good games early, but give him a few good games and chemistry on the court that, that looks right and maybe a different sort of effort, then yeah, I'm, I'm into hoop season. But no, I want the bridge. I want, I want football and basketball to concurrently be, be going on and for me to be able to enjoy them both for a month at the same time. And right on cue last year where basketball started, football started sucking. No, give me some meaningful November football games and I can also enjoy the start of basketball season. All right, that's a divergence there. NC Alani says back closer to the original expectations, seven and five or six and six, but I think eight and four is out. Eight and four is likely out, yes. The way this team's playing and the fact that even if you fix certain things, you know that certain issues can rear their head. I will say, NC Alani, that if you have a path to eight, we are granting losses against Maryland and Iowa, right? I'm still going to watch both of those games and, and be interested because I don't think neither. I don't think either of them would be a blowout. Maryland looked better yesterday. You know they're explosive offensively, but it's a Mike Loxley team. They are capable of a stinker. Iowa is Iowa. So I think you lose both. But again, there's not a single other game in the schedule where I say you definitely lose that. And if this team can somehow find their way to clicking, just in general, and we'll know it when we see it, It'll feel better. Just like the defense, that unit yesterday, it clicked. It felt better. It's like, okay, that will play. That will work. We will get that sense in the next three games if that's where they're headed. Because even though Maryland is a lot better than FAU, Purdue, and Nebraska, they are at a unique place in that schedule where if you win the next three and you're four and two and you're starting to click a little bit, you go into that game with a little bit of, hey, what the hell? Let's see what happens. So NC Alani, eight and four, probably have the cards. But you know what? If we did best case scenario record right now, I'd say eight and four. Still granting two losses that are not necessarily sure things. From Blockhead, another one. LZ, Wilcher, and Fagan need more tick, particularly LZ and Wilcher. Need legit D1 speed and separation besides Williams on the field. I will grant Isaiah Williams this. He's looking really good. He is a legit receiver. A lot of fun to watch him. And Pat Bryant. And Casey Washington are struggling. And if they continue to struggle, you're going to have a young receiving core out there, which can make some mistakes and might not be great in run blocking. 
They, they, they'll have their own issues, but I think you do need game-breaking speed somewhere on that field. From Eric, I haven't changed my expectations based on yesterday because they'd already been lower to 6-6. Six and six. If anything, the way the D played and encouraged me, uh, that encouraged me, but turnovers from Altmaier are a big issue moving forward. And Eric, it wasn't just yesterday. Altmaier has had the turnover bug. Game one was one. Game two was two for yesterday. That's more than Tommy DeVito had all last year. I did think yesterday, would Tommy DeVito be better for this team? And I'm sure many had that passing thought. Yeah, I think that there'd be less turnovers. I think that, yeah, you you might, you would have had a better chance, certainly, if Tommy DeVito were in it yesterday. I think the Kansas game would have unfolded similarly, even with Tommy DeVito in there, because you were already spotting them a 21-0 lead. And we saw with the Tommy DeVito-led Barry Lunny offense that they could be very stagnant, too. So, yeah. CV7 says 6-6 six and six is the best this team will do. And you might be right, CV7. I mean, listen, based on right now, if we're going on evidence and not just based on, well, the schedule lightens up, yeah, 6-6 six and six might be the best they can do. We, we cannot dismiss that. So, PR Trading says, Coach B mentioned scheme and game plan during the last two press conferences. Offensive production is the key to winning in the current era of college football. What is the Illini average points per game the last two seasons? What is the identity of the Illini offense? I'd have to look that up as far as average points, PR, but I cannot answer the last question. I don't know what the identity is. I don't know if they know what the identity is, and it's about time they figure it out. From Roger, we're one lucky pass from being 0-3. Well, Roger, yeah, you're right. We are. Thank God they have it. And thank God the schedule grants you an opportunity to fix it. I mean, that's really it. This is more like a call to action. Just just fix the damn thing, however you do it. Pete says, much worse, actually. Maybe five and seven. Dear God, I hope not. <laughs> this is a good one here from Edward. For the better is an option? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, there, were, there was a lot of bad going on yesterday in that game. Defense was better, but if you're just being honest, that's that's not good enough. Still, it's not good enough. So this is optimistic carp saying, okay, the gauntlet is over. You have an opportunity to stack wins. And this that's optimistic carp. And then sick of it carp says, win these three games. And damn it, you should. And I know should and would or will is a different thing, but they should. And short of that, the questions will persist. I am bummed out that we have at least temporarily halted any momentum. I am. That can return with three straight wins, and then you set up a big homecoming game against Wisconsin that will have a great crowd no matter what, right? That, that'll be fun. And then I would love to think that could be your fifth win of the year. Because then you're setting worst case at five and three. If you win the next three and you beat Wisconsin, you're a five and three football team going into the bye week. Come on. That ain't six and one like last year, but that's really good for this program with two very winnable games after that. And then at Minnesota, you'd be feeling good after a bye week going into Minnesota. So it's right there, man. It's right there. And that's why, honestly, if they can't find their way to six with this schedule, I'm actually, I'm not just, I'm not bummed. I'm pissed. You've got to be better than that. I'm, Again, my expectations are not that freaking high. Illini football fans' expectations are not that high. We are only asking for you to make a bowl game against a weak-ass schedule. 
entirely reasonable. It just is. I got a few things in the chat feed here on YouTube that I'll get to. Let me make sure I get these before we head out. And thank you for tuning. I did not plan this one, but thank you for those who tuned in. A nice little crowd in there. From John, still giving money a chance. Reggie Love has noticeably improved and needs more carries. Illinois gets to nine wins if the offense figures it out after how good our defense was against Penn State. John, with the most optimistic message of the day, nine wins, I would eat my hat, but I would... I would not be... Would I be shocked? I'd be very surprised. The reason I'm not going to say shocked is, again, the two games I'm counting as losses are Maryland and Iowa. And I still think uh, I don't... I don't know. On a good on a good Saturday, you could win either. But that is counting all the others as wins, too. So I'm I'm sticking with six and six based on all the messiness, but they they can do better. Just nine wins would be uh whoa. Whew. Nicholas says, while there are serious problems, I feel more confident looking at Illinois moving forward than sorry, Nicholas, I lost that for a second. Than I did after Kansas. The defense looked like what we expected preseason against Penn State. They got their mojo back, Nicholas. I think Florida Atlantic is another opportunity for them to keep that mojo and build on it. Brad P. says, have to play the young wide receivers besides Isaiah. No one gets separation. I'm worried that all the stars are Lovey's recruits. Can Bielema not see talent? Well, Brad, you you mentioned the young wide receivers. Those are Bielema's guys. And they might be more talented than a Pat Bryant, who's a Lovey guy, or a Casey Washington, who's a big play guy in his history with Illinois, but is a Lovey guy. Yeah, I know that was the threat at Arkansas was that after the previous coaches recruits left, Bielema struggled. And until proven otherwise, it's okay to be skeptical about that. But he does have a few good pieces he's brought in. Xavier Scott is his, right? Xavier Scott looks great. He looks really good. Matthew Bailey is his. Matthew Bailey looks really good. I know he's a kicker, but I think Declan, or not Dooley, I'm sorry, David Alano is, I know he's a kicker, I know, but is going to be a great one for many years for this Illinois team. I think they're just saving him if they can't. Uh, Luke Altmaier looks like there's talent there. So he upgraded whatever the quarterback situation was under Lovey. Brandon Peters was just, it was so bad. Like, just so lame. Just a oh, lame duck of a quarterback. And they... Luke, as bad as he was yesterday, Brandon Peters would have fared no better. No better. Well, maybe a little better. From K. Andrew. Both Altmyers' KU interceptions hit wide receivers in both hands before landing in the defenders. That's fair. I mean, the Pat Bryant one at Kansas was abysmal. I thought Isaiah could have gotten that last one, too. Though it could have been a better decision by Luke. K. Andrew continues. There have been some terrible decisions, but yeah, like Brett said, we didn't game plan for him to be successful. And K. Andrew, you've really been hitting on this, that you got to run him more. And you've been hitting the RPO. And I think that, yes, um, that needs to happen more. We need to see him use his legs more. He'll get that opportunity against FAU and against Purdue and against Nebraska, against any team not named Penn State, quite frankly. So thank you guys in the chat thread for a little bit of those and, and tuning in on this kind of spur of the moment. I didn't want to plan this as a live one necessarily. My bandwidth had also been a little bit iffy but it looks to be better today. So that's all I got though. Uh, went a little bit long, but there was a lot to talk about. And later this week, I think we'll get Harry Black on Tuesday night. Uh, regardless, we will do a midweek podcast before Saturday, which should be a get right game. 
a get-right game. You, you showed signs against Penn State despite the loss and the frustrations that are mounting and uh, the lack of momentum. You could still have a good year. Great? Eh, I don't think this team is going to be great. You can still have good. By Illinois standards, good is fine. I will take good, and we'll figure out great later. Okay, we'll tweak until we get our way to great. But for the love of God, don't suck this year. There's no reason to suck. I wish I could have had this podcast in 2002 and kind of like, you know, metaphorically speaking, shaking Ron Turner's shoulders and be like, you can't start one and four. You can't do that. Come on. And I, I want to do the same for this team. You must win these three games because all of them, winnable. Damn it. You know, I will say this in advance before I get too worked up. Purdue game, I will not be doing a live podcast. We have a gig that night. Did not anticipate that Purdue, which for some reason is getting three primetime games in a row. I don't know why, but whatever. They get NBC last night, then they get, well, what is it next week? I think it's Wisconsin at home on FS1. It's another night game, and then they get us on NBC the week after. Sure, three night games in a row at ross Aid Stadium. I watched their crowd last night. They're packing the stadium still. They, they got that enthusiasm. I want to rip their hearts out, metaphorically speaking, when we play them. I want to kick Purdue's ass, and I hope over the Smith Performance Center they want it even more than I do. Beat Florida Atlantic as a get-right game. Go into Purdue and rip their throats out. Whatever just bloody Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom kind of visual you want to conjure up there, and then come back on a Friday night and beat that sloppy-ass Nebraska Cornhusker team in front of 10,000 their dopey fans that are going to travel eight hours to see an inferior product on the field. I'll give Illinois fans this. They will show up when you win. These dum-dums in Nebraska show up even when they continue to suck and suck and suck and suck. 100,000 of them. Because there's nothing better to do, apparently. I don't want to rat on Nebraska fans, but I'm just sick of... I'm tired that we brought them into the conference and they haven't been worthy of it in any way, shape, or form. Don't really care about the academics, but they were a total stinker academically, but bring them on for football. They suck with football. They're terrible. I guess they're here for their volleyball prowess. That's not why they were brought in. Leave. Go away. But while you're here, let us beat you. So we're going to go 3-0. Oh, we better. We better. Or the questions persist. I'm sick of questions. I want answers. Give me some answers, Brett. I believe in you. Come on. Give me those answers. All right. I'm all fired up now. Probably need to chill. It was a lazy Sunday. A great weekend overall. A great weekend coming up. Uh, Friends and I are going to go Friday night to see Queens of the Stone Age in Indy. One of the best rock bands going with a great opener called the Viagra Boys. This rock band out of Sweden that have a Devo thing going on and a great stage show. So we got a rock show that we're going to sleep get our six hours or whatever, drive back early-ish on Saturday, gain an hour on the way back from Indy, get to the lots, and enjoy what looks to be a beautiful late summer day and a game that Illinois should win, and I'm sorry, should win handily. If they don't, yep, we're sweating it out again. I don't think they're going to answer every question against FAU, but if they answer a few more questions offensively in special teams and the defense continues what they did against Penn State, then we target that Purdue game as the must-win. you got to win the next three, but it all does start next Saturday against Ford Atlantic. All right. DP Doe. Online at DP Doe. Online at DP Doe. They deliver anywhere in champagne or band. I just repeated myself. So get a celebratory calzone for the love of God. Hopefully the next three Saturdays you can do that. 
by ordering online at dpdo.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Also, got to thank Dogtown Heating and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Your home's best friend and our home's best friend. Got our furnace check coming up in a few weeks and get yours scheduled with Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com for a gallery of all their excellent work. Go to owenbuildersllc.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them and appreciate you. Hey, by the way, 200-level hoodie extending that pre-order through Wednesday. We got a good number of orders in already, but I want to make sure we get that all taken care of before we submit our final order. No money down. Go to at the 200 level on Twitter or at Fanboy Carp, and you'll see on each of those profiles, we had a right up top pinned for you for the pre-order. So uh, they're, they're nice. They're very nice and excited to get some more merch out there for everybody. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great start to your week. We will be back midweek, probably with Harry Black or some sort of midweek podcast to get ready for FAU and talk about this crucial three-game stretch. I would love to sit here three weeks from today, or would that be a month from today, whichever, talking about a 4-2 and two football team. It can happen. It is up to them to make it so. In the meantime, everybody, take care, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. Level.